welcome everybody to episode 72 of the Progression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me as always are my co-hosts, Keegan Thompson and Aiden Holler. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm good, Sean. I've got a bit of the itis as I am suffering from eating too much good barbecue for lunch. I am I'm feeling full, full as can be right now. And I'm loaded up with tons of Zach Wilson content from last night's Hall of Fame game as well, too. So getting a bit of the itis from that. But how are you doing, Aiden? Zach Wilson and some good barbecue. Wow, that sounds like <laughs> Keegan's two favorite things, man. Good for you. I am uh I'm doing well. I, I got a little banged up last night. We uh we played we played kickball. I joined a league, so uh, I made my kickball debut. Um nice Thursday activity, but but I'm paying for it today, so I'm fighting through it and uh yeah, ready for the weekend. I'm gonna remember that when Aiden's complaining about one of his star fantasy players having a soft tissue injury. Just like, get on the field, Rondale. Get on the field. Well, remember, Aiden, you couldn't even get back on the kickball field after one game. So just remember that. <laughs> dude, my hip after I legged out a single, I thought it was going to fall off the bone, dude. I I thought there was soft tissue damage for sure, but but I'm feeling fine today. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm doing good. It is a Friday afternoon when we're recording this. This probably will come out on Monday, so hence why uh, we're talking about the Hall of Fame game. But it was nice to see some football on. We got to see Izzy Abinaconda, for anyone that was grinding the draft with us. Really interesting guy. Had a pit on the Jets. We also got to see Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a sleeper quarterback that a lot of people thought could play in the NFL. And, you know, he's playing against the threes, but he looked awesome last night, so that's fun to see. I love DTR. (laughs) On today's episode, this is actually the final episode of our position breakdowns. On our previous three episodes, we've covered quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, giving our tiers, our flag plants, and fades. It's been a ton of fun. If you haven't had a chance to get caught up on that content, go listen now. Well, go listen after this episode. We want to cover this position. No, actually, no. Go listen before this episode. Come back. Get to this one. (laughs) This is the least important position. On today's episode, we are talking about tight ends. What's the over-under on how much we're going to make fun of this position today? Six, seven times? What are we setting it at? More. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. (laughs) It's a pain in the ass position, but as your loyal hosts here, we have to cover it. So we will be going tier by tier, breaking it down. Tier by tier, we're going to give our flag plants, also our fades. Hard to really fade anyone at tight end, considering... Anyone can be viable week to week, (laughs) but we are going to do our best before diving in. Today's episode of the Regression to the Mean podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best ball on Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. Just draft your team and that's it. No waivers, trades, or weekly start-sit decisions. Underdog will automatically play your best players at each position every week. Sign up today with promo code RTM to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You can sign up for as little as $10 to start drafting today. Tight ends, a position that in our home league we play in together, is gone. It is no more. We now have two flex spots. So that's to share. That's sharing a little context of where we're at right now with the tight end position. Keegan doesn't even like the GOAT tight end, Travis Kelsey. He won't even draft him in the first round, <laughs> so, even with positional scarcity. So that tells you a little bit about where we are headed today. Stretch. And because of that, Damn. because of Keegan's overall, I'd say, 
what would he, what would you define it? Skepticism and tight disdain. Ends. Disdain. I was gonna say disdain. Keegan. I have yeah. passed off the tight end tiers to Keegan Thompson, a tight end denier, a tight end dunker, a tight end denier. hater. Yeah, you're a tight end denier. So Keegan actually has his custom tiers. He is gonna go through them. And then we're going to give our thought process on it. It's nice to see somebody else putting their neck on the line uh, after, <laughs> after the wide receiver episode. After I put Almond Ross St. Brown in Tier 2, I was getting some some weird looks from two of my co-hosts here. But Keegan Thompson, why don't you start mm-hmm. things off here today giving us your first couples, first three tiers of the tight end position? I have my first three tiers of the tight end here, actually. And it starts with the Kelsey tier, who is in his own tier. I don't think there's much to say about it. Like Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. He will continue to be in his own tier until something happens or aliens actually do invade this earth. The next tier after him is also a singular player. It's the Mark Andrews tier. Um, this is the guy that I think always has potential to catch Kelsey or surpass Kelsey as the tight end one in fantasy, no matter what scoring format you're in. So I think he belongs in his own tier as well, too. And then for tier three here, I've got the junior varsity tier, the I'm up next tier, the guys who could overtake the two above them if something were to happen to Kelsey or if Mark <laughs> Andrews, something happens to him or like, you know, just something catastrophic goes wrong in the NFL. Um, I like this bottom tier here as players that are still safe bets to help you get into positional advantage. But I think truly outside of Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, there is not much that can be said for players that are better than them or give you the advantage that they do. So after these three tiers, um, any arguments against how I have these positioned or placed, or is there some kind of argument that you guys can make for Mark Hawk and Goddard to be kind of together there? I think the main thing I would say, I think Kelsey for sure belongs by himself. I think Andrews belongs by himself too. The only thing I would say is Kittle could maybe fit in the JV tier. Um, He's consistently like finishes like tight end three and four. I think you could make an argument that he would belong there with Hawk and Dallas. Um, I'm fine with him where he is, but I think out of kind of what stands out to me at first would be moving Greg up there. <laughs> when I'm looking at this, Keegan, I think you've nailed it. I think these are the three tiers. I think lumping Mark Andrews in the JV tier doesn't seem right in my opinion because Mark Andrews right now, as it stands, is still the top target earner in his offense. Now, Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman may ascend, and he may be the 1A, 1B in his offense, which could change things considerably. But those two guys right there, I think, are probably one of three or four tight ends on this entire board that can make the argument that they will lead the team in targets. So I think that's fair that we have it broken down. I think normally I'd see George Kittle in that JV tier, but there are four mouths to feed in that offense. Last year, he ran super hot with touchdowns with Brock Purdy, and he was able to hit home. But I just don't see that week in week volume to put him in like the top three tiers, even though he's like the second best tight end in the league in terms of talent. There's no denying that as a football player. But just in terms of fantasy production, I think it's it's fair to have Kittle in the boom bust tier, which looks like that's tier four. So, you know, just moving on to the next two tiers after that, tier four and tier five, I do have Kittle in this next tier because I labeled it as, you know, this could be tight end one this year, but he could also cost you a fantasy season because of where you're betting on these guys and that where they're being drafted. 
Um, so I've got Pitts, Waller, and George Kittle in this tier. The reason I say that is because you still have to spend pretty good capital. You know, you still have to spend a sixth or a late fifth on Kit on Kittle or Pitts, and then like a seventh on Waller, right? So it's still pretty significant draft capital to spend on these guys who have shown flashes of tight end one potential, but also have missed time, um, been injured, been inconsistent, operate in an offense like Kittle does where he is the fourth option sometimes on any given week with the lowest target share. Um, Darren Waller now has a new offensive environment where he probably will be the focal point of the offense and the highest receiving option. So I have him in this tier just because of Last year being so weird, um, I think he could easily be in the junior varsity tier, just projecting what his like target volume is. And Pitts is Pitts, like the unicorn of unicorns that we'll continue to buy into because of his magical upside. And then the tier after that, I have kind of like he's, your he's cryptocurrency. <laughs> we just keep basically buying. we're just waiting for it to pop. Just buy the dip. Yeah, keep exactly. And then so I have your next one, your safe bets with like level floors. This is your take home to mom tier list. Like guys, you can just draft and not really worry about, but not nothing too, too exciting and nothing too dangerous. And that's Evan Ingram, Pat Fryermuth, and David Njoku. Um, so Aiden, any arguments? for or against your guy Pitts to be in or out of this tier. Oh man, Kyle Pitts has hurt me. Um it's it's a <laughs> love hate relationship. It's it's mostly, mostly hate. hate. <laughs> um, but <Yep>. like <laughs> but the sky is the limit with this guy. Like he is if he could get some decent quarterback play, like he could easily end up as you know, tight end 2 or 3 on the season. So he belongs in that tier just given like I think what he's accomplished thus far, or I guess you could almost say like lack of accomplishment so far. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like I'm fine with Kyle Pitts there. I think these two tiers make a ton of sense. That that tier four one is a little stinky. Um, we might have some a fade or two from that <laughs> tier. It's just like it's tier when five. I look at that tier, it's like the, mo- uh, the mooth. no tier f- the mooth one. tier yeah two, yeah three, yeah four, tier four five. there yes. it's, five yeah. Um, yeah it's just uh, five sorry it's uh, yeah, it's just guys like I'm just not that inspired to draft a tight end at that point in the draft. But like those guys, I think do fit together given their kind of like floors and ceilings as a as a group there. So no, I think you're crushing it, Keegan. I really like your graphic too. This is this is eight one stuff. <laughs> thanks, thanks, um, thanks. Yeah, I think what's okay. So first and foremost, yes, give me tier four over tier five any day of the week. Even though I really like Injoku and Fryermuth and Evan Ingram as individual like football players. When you're trying to win in fantasy football, the difference between the tight end four in like TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard is pretty marginal in like the tight end 10, which will probably be in Joku. It's Kittle, Waller, and Pitts all offer league winning upside because Pitts and Waller can make legitimate claims that they will be the top target earners in their offense. And then George Kittle, if there's an injury and it becomes the Kittle offensive again, will absolutely rampage down people's faces it'd just be it'll be sensational right if that were to happen so i think overall that fourth tier that boomer bust tier if you want a tight end go draft a tight end that actually could give you a positional advantage that actually could stack up against travis kelsey right i think that's more key than trying to play it safe with an ingram a Fryermuth, or an Njoku, who are going to be the third or fourth options in maybe lower pass volume offenses or offenses with question marks so I think at the end of this year, if if like Pitts hits home, Pitts could be in that tier with Mark Andrews. So could Darren Waller as the top target earners 
in their respective offenses, but just a lot of question marks with them. So luckily this year, it's it's the cheapest you've been able to get Waller, Kittle, and Pitts. So your yeah, opportunity exactly. cost isn't as disastrous as it was deep, when yeah. you were drafting Kyle Pitts in the third round last year. So it's it's nice yep. opportunity cost. So yeah, I think that's you nailed it. I have, I have no uh, notes on that one. And then so after those two tiers, we've got the which I think is one of my favorites is the mystery box tier. Um, it could even be the tier four tier, <laughs> basically. <laughs> And and that is Greg Dolchitz, Chico Conklu, and then the three rookies um, round out this. So that's Michael Mayer, Laporta, and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I think all of – traditionally, I would not bet on a rookie tight end to have any relevance to fantasy, but I think they all are in very unique environments, whereas Dalton Kincaid was drafted to be a playmaker for the Bills. Like, they do have a blocking tight end already who will help more on run plays. Like, And Sam Laporta is – replacing a massive workload in TJ Hawkinson. And I, I actually didn't even have Michael Mayer in this tier. I didn't really have him in a tier before um, we got to this episode today and I realized he needed to go somewhere. And I think it's fitting for him because we're not really talking about him enough, I think, compared to the other rookies. And he was an outstanding pass catcher in college. And, you know, looking at some tight end stats today, just from college production in general, I thought he really st- stood out <laughs> just as a name. It's like, Okay, this guy is very productive. So I think there's some mystery and allure to him. And then the other two guys, Dulcich and Chico Conklu, are great athletes, tremendous upside, who have shown blips of, you know, fantasy relevancy at the tight end position. And they're like bets that I'm willing to take. And then the next tier after that is just the I've streamed this guy before tier. These are the guys that you take towards the end of your drafts that will go in and out of people's lineups. You know, these are the sisterhood of the traveling tight ends, basically. So Dalton <laughs> Schultz, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, Hayden Hurst, Cole Komet, Pull the Lever, Conk, Hunter Henry, Jawan Johnson, Taysom Hill, Zach Ertz, and like players of that nature. I didn't have faces for all of them in this tier list. So I didn't have time to get all those in there, but <laughs> you know what that tier is and you know what that brings to you every week, but um, yeah, what do you guys feel about our, our boy Greggy Dulcich and the mystery box tier? Just kind of talking about tier six in general, I think you kind of nailed it. Like, this is by far my favorite tier. Um, like, you either like, I'd either spend big at like the top two, three tiers potentially, or I'm probably waiting to like the mystery box tier. Um, like, my two highest exposures for tight ends both reside in the mystery box tier. So, it's, um, I'm pretty high on this tier. And yeah especially Greg Dulcich, who um, we're all a fan of. We'll talk more about Dulcich later. I think tier <laughs> tier four is interesting because if things break right for Greg Dulcich, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, probably not Michael Mayer, but those three could be the number two target earners in their offense this season. Now, historically, betting on a rookie tight end is ass. That's probably the word I would say. Is just Correct. A, Remember, Kyle Pitts' record-breaking season at tight end as a rookie was tight end six finish, right? He, he's, he had 1,000 yep. yards and, like, two touchdowns. It's, I don't get why he can't score touchdowns. But just remembering here, like, we want tight ends that can score touchdowns, be on the field, participate in the offense. But it's really hard for rookies basically to learn two positions at once, which is blocking and receiving. If they're really serious about Dalton Kincaid primarily playing as a slot-wide receiver – it's going to be really hard. He's not going to block much. If that's the case and he's running a ton of routes with Josh Allen, I mean, Dalton Kincaid is someone who could probably win you a fantasy league because you're going to get him so late. But 
banking on that historically has not worked well for fantasy managers. So if he's like an 11th, 12th round pick and you throw a dart on him, it's a great pick. But if he gets steamed up into like the 7th, 8th round where you're taking him in the the Pitts range, Waller range, I, I'd be very cautious with Darren Waller. But somebody in this tier, the I've streamed this guy before tier that I don't think actually belongs there is Tyler Higby. I think on talent, because he, he moves like he has rigor mortis, I think on talent-wise, he probably deserves to be there. But the guy had like a 22% target share last year. He's like the number two option in an offense that might be throwing the piss out of the ball because their defense is so bad. And I think you could easily put him in the tier with Evan Ingram and Fryermuth because he's just going to see a ton of targets. And again, I don't think he's the most talented player, but just volume and opportunity at the tight end position is half the battle. And if he catches four or five touchdowns, he's going to have a top eight finish at tight end. I think it's a great argument for Higby, and I actually did think about putting him in this tier because of everything that you just said, but it's like Van Jefferson is probably third option there, right? Like it, it's Cooper Cup, then it's Higby, then it's someone like Van Jefferson. Puka. So targets are a plenty. Puka, Puka Nakua. Sure. <laughs> you could do that, but but I, I, I do think you're right, Sean. Like He might have a much safer floor than the rest of these I've streamed these guys before tier. Um, I'm just like, I think I cautiously put him in the bottom because – Tyler Higby is more of a guy that I'll take in best ball and not for redraft. And I was thinking kind of like redraft brain for these rankings when I'm going through them. Cause sure. I, I honestly don't want to draft anybody in this safe bets floor. just, you know, the way I approach tight ends if I don't have to. So, but I think he belongs in here, Sean. So I'm actually going to move him up and leave him here. But I, I feel like the rest of these guys, you know, your Schultz, your Everett's, your Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, Cole Komet, like, Maybe people you take like dart throws on and best ball, but like for redraft and you need like constant point production on a per week basis, you know, these guys are only going to average like six, seven points a game, maybe eight if you're lucky. And it's just, it's not going to make a difference on your roster. Yeah, it, it isn't. Upside wins championships. Shout out Scott Barrett at Fantasy Points. Pick the guys that you think later on that can give you an edge to win. That's why somebody like Dalton Kincaid is is very interesting. And I can leave it at that. Wow. Um, but yeah, those are my tiers, Sean and Aiden. Thanks for uh, letting me take a hold of that this time. Felt, felt good to put that together. You crushed that it. That was nice. You crushed it. And yeah, there were no, visual aids. That. Our, our, YouTube, uh, <laughs> our YouTube audience has been begging for visual aids, and it was just so simple and easy. I know. What, a, what a creative outside of the box move. We might be moving <laughs> Keegan up to creative director of the podcast. What, a, what an absolute home run there. A, sc- <laughs> a screen that. share. Who would ever thought? <laughs> I was looking at uh, Michael Mayer's face because he wasn't on our dock, and I was like, "Who is this?" I was like, "I, I, Why is he, I, I don't, don't know, know what he looks like." Is, Why was it a headshot? No, that's what he right. looks like. Why does it look like he was like auditioning yeah. for Oppenheimer? He looked so serious. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's yeah, he an handsome like fellow, dude. Adjust your yeah. rankings. Chisel. He looked like Thad Castle kind of Chisel. photo. I was like, "Who is this guy?" Do we move Wait, him? Up I want to show ranks? you guys something before we move on. Yeah, okay, we're gonna move him up the ranks after. We take a look at his uh this is his high school shot what look at this adjust your ranks oh that yeah he's a guy who's gonna score seven touchdowns a year in the leagues <laughs> he looks like he was like on a cw show about football high school football like <laughs> was literally about to say yes, he could have been in the friday night lights tv show bro <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> his character is like a, is a, he's like the douchey guy no one likes but towards the end of the season he learns how to play 
as a team player. He's just misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Misunderstood. You know, his dad's been like way too hard on him about football ever <laughs> since he was three. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, oh, my gosh. Well, that, uh, that is the tight end position uh, in terms of tiers. Um, flag plants is, I think, a little bit easier for this position. Fades is, is tough. I don't know if we have an alert or a graphic uh, or a, a bell. I don't know. But this is our first ever group flag plant. We have a trio flag plant that we're putting in the ground before we dive into our individual ones. And if you have been following this podcast all off season, it is none other than Greg Dulcich, our group flag plant. Yes. <laughs> yes. Say his name. Greg Say his name. Dulcich, the man with the curly locks and the mustache, uh, a man that Keegan Thompson aspires to be. Greg Dulcich. Led, one day I'll be him. Yes, yes. Greg Dulcich led all rookie tight ends in yards, air yards, snaps per game. He was explosive. He was on the field, which is hard to do for rookies, and he was productive, right? This is something that rookie tight ends very rarely accomplish. And why does that matter is because the year one to year two leap for tight ends is usually pretty dramatic. From Ryan Heath over at Fantasy Points, this is what he has to say about year two tight end breakouts. The sophomore tight end breakout is among the most powerful and reliable laws of fantasy. You pair that with his rookie production, the expected jump in year two, and head coach Sean Payton already poetically waxing, comparing him to Jeremy Shockey, Jason Witten, Jimmy Graham calling him the joker of the offense, which is a role that he has previously given to Reggie Bush and Alvin Kamara. <laughs> I did not have that on your bingo <laughs> yeah. cards. Again, you could get this guy in the 12th or 13th round. He is one of our most overexposed drafted players in all of best ball. Greg Dulcich, first ever group flag plant. So naturally, he will be the Albert O of this season. Watch, because uh, we've all consigned. <laughs> That'd be consensus. a bummer. Don't wish that on him. Okay, so that oh, is our man. group flag plant. We're going to transition over to our individual guys that we are drafting no matter what. Keegan, kick us off here. This is a kind of deep cut tight end. Not not many people know about him. Tell us a little bit about your your, your uh, diamond in the rough here that you're drafting. He, he's low key. Yeah, here's why you should spend third round draft capital on an unknown guy that you've probably never heard of. But the name is Mark Andrews. Whoa! And there it is. I, you went to Oklahoma, right? I think this. I think this year I'm going to approach tight end a little differently and just try and get an advantage if it's there to me. Like if I like my first two picks, I'm just going to swing for the fences with Mark Andrews because. He has, by my tiers, you see, in his own tier, and he has the, like, I think, best chance to surpass Kelsey. Um, he's essentially Kelsey um, environment, and that would be different this year because they have a better receiving core, but, like, he's still the primary best receiver in the Ravens' offense. He's Lamar Jackson's favorite weapon, most reliable weapon. He's also six years younger than Kelsey. Uh, he's got great juice. Like, he's an athletic pass catcher, great after the catch as well, too. But, you know, over the last two seasons, he ranked second in targets, 8.1 a game. Receptions, 5.6. Receiving yards, 69.0. Nice. And receiving PBR nice. points per game nice. among tight ends, which is 15.15. 15. Um, so he's right there knocking on Kelsey's door statistically. Um, the knock on him is that he just doesn't run enough routes compared to Kelsey, and I, I definitely understand that. But with all the offseason changes, and you guys have heard me, and if you've listened to the pod, you've also heard me like plant my flag with Lamar and just the Ravens offense in general. 
and the upgrade that I think they'll have in overall pace and just like pass catcher usage with the Monken offensive scheme. Um, I think it bodes well for Mark Andrews, especially too. So Monken historically wasn't using his tight ends a lot in the NFL when he was coaching, but he also did not have a tight end like Mark Andrews. So I went back and looked at Georgia's tight end usage last year to see how Brock Bowers was used. And that guy was used a ton. And also, this is a future first-round like tight end talent. Like He is a really good player. He's a guy. Um, what you're saying is Brock Bowers is a, is a, is a guy. Dude. He's certified. Yeah, he's dude. dude. Certified dude. Here's so a if you guy. Take, if you take the regular plus postseason like of college last year, he, he was fourth in targets with 82, third in receptions with 63, first in yards, 942 yards. He's also first in yards per reception with 15 amongst tight ends with at least 15 targets. He ran a route on 91% of his team snaps, third in yards per route run, you know, fifth in average depth of target, and third in PFF receiving grade. And the only people above him are like Kincaid and Michael Mayer, like two basically first-round tight end talents. Studs. Um, so, yeah, absolute studs, like finished above Brock Bowers. So if I'm using that as a reference for how Monken will plan to use an elite tight end like this, then I think it bodes well for Andrews for sure. Um, he's also only two years removed from being the tight end one overall. And since 2019, he's never finished worse than tight end five in standard scoring or worse than tight end six in PPR scoring. And last year, in the first six weeks of the season, he had two tight end one finishes, a, a tight end two finish, not just like tight end two, like bottom half 12. Like, I mean, the second best tight end of the week and two of the first best tight end finishes and also a tight end three finish on the week. So history's there, talent's there, production's there. I'm I'm betting on him. And I'm instead of spending a first round pick on Kelsey, maybe I'll go wide receiver, hero running back or something, and then scoop at Andrews. I think that's a perfect way to start your drafts this year. Super talented route runner. I love watching him in space, beat linebackers, beat safeties. Mark Andrews is a certified baller, like certified, like an exceptional receiver, really good blocker, just a great player. Um, I, I mean, again, it's just like your preference. If you want to pay up, pay up at the beginning of the draft, third round. Don't worry about tight end. You won't have to worry about streaming. And you're probably going to have the number one option in an offense that a lot of smart people are saying is going to be a top five offense in the league. I just worry about increased competition, but Mark Andrews is an alpha and he should win out. So I'm happy that you're spreading the gospel of Mark Andrews because it was a weird day on Twitter. <laughs> that was a weird day on Twitter when people were trying to like shit on Mark Andrews saying he wasn't going to be out there running <laughs> routes. I was like, guys, you're overthinking this. An offensive I've coordinator's not watched him the last few <laughs> call years. plays for their best players, uh, unless they're like yeah. Freddie Kitchens. So I'm I'm uh, I'm in on on Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy sell there. Easy sell. It's really just about are you okay with kind of paying that price? It's you know, do you want your tight end there or do you want to you know stack up your other flex positions? It's it's really all about draft strategy. But you for sure have a leg up at that position if you have him there. I'm moved. I'm you're moved. moved. You're moved. That. You're moved by yourself. He's nice. moved by himself. That was nice. I brought myself to tears. Aiden, tell us a little bit else. <laughs> Aiden, tell us a bit about who you are targeting in drafting, no matter what, at the tight end position. Yeah. So, um, so this is a guy that actually we've been talking about quite a bit lately. Um, I've kind of mentioned like the tight end, like six to twelve range, isn't typically where I like to pick my tight end. But if I was to take any of them in that range, um, it's Darren Waller for me. I just think he has by far the most amount of upside and has already proven he has top three, top four tight end capability in him. Uh, outside of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, there's not another tight end in football 
that has the potential to lead his team in targets. Um, he should easily see 100-plus targets. He's already done it in his career. He's seen 117 back in 2019 and 145 back in 2020. So, like, we've seen this volume before. Like, it's not like this is some pipe dream. Like, we've we've watched it unfold in front of our very eyes on Sundays. So, I think that's super feasible. If you look at their target leaders last year, not a lot of targets left the offense, but it's just like there's no real certified alpha in that offense. You had Saquon leading the offense with 76 targets. Slayton had 71 and Richie James had 70. So it's like there's no one here really commanding, you know, the majority of Daniel Jones' attention, which is awesome for him. You've been watching him in training camp. I know we've been watching the clips of him. It's like he is just it feels like the varsity guy playing against like JV players, like trying to line up with some of those DBs. And it's like, this guy is going to be a fucking problem if he stays healthy this year. So he's what priced it. Where am I here? Tight end six, seven, tight end six. So I'm probably catching him around pick 70 or so, which at that point, like I'm okay with that price. You've already built out most of your starting positions on your roster. If you're okay with your tight end there, like, I like his price point a lot. Um, I could see him kind of rising throughout the offseason, too, just given, like, how much positive buzz is coming around him. Like, I feel like people kind of forgot about Darren Waller in terms of, like, what he's capable of as a pass catcher. So, I love Darren Waller. It just feels like as Daniel Jones continues to get better as a passer, too, like, this is only going to help him having this big body target both in the red zone and just up and down the field. So, I love Darren Waller. I just think there's such a high like um potential outcome for him in terms of where he could finish like tight end one i don't know but if he finishes tight end three like super reasonable i think all the things are there in front of him for this to be possible remember that game that monday night game first ever in las vegas where the raiders won that crazy like walk-off touchdown to zay jones do you remember Darren yeah. waller had like 20 targets in that game like he legitimately it was awesome. he had like 200 receiving yards and it's not like if you look at his efficiency metrics, he's still the same guy. Like when he's on the field, he's good. It's just been a health thing for him. And we need him to stay healthy. But if he puts together a healthy season with Daniel Jones ascending with Brian Dable behind the, you know, control in the car, so to speak, in terms of the play calling, we might see a pass happier offense in New York. And he projects to be the alpha of that offense. Again, you're not usually able to get a tight end that late. But why are you able to get that late? He has, what, he's played 12 games, 16 games total combined over the past two years, so you have to factor that, that yep. in. So it, it's it's high-risk, high-reward, but I, I think it's worth the swing. Yeah, I like I had him in that tier of, you know, can, can be tight in one, but also could cost you a season for that exact reason where it's like, sure, he doesn't, like, he hasn't been exactly healthy, but... I'm kind of like, and I have the same thought process about Brandon Cooks as well this year, but it's like he was a quiet quitter last year for the Raiders. <laughs> like, I really don't think he was, like, banged up. Like, he just quiet quit on his team, um, just like, you know, Brandon Cooks did, like, with the Texans. So it's – I'm not going to try and knock him for that, but I couldn't put him up any higher because of the season prior as well too. But when that guy's healthy and he's running, he's as good as – he's as good as they come at the position. So I, I actually really like Waller a lot this year as well too. So when I was taking a look at my flag plant, I didn't really know who I was going to go with. So I dove into the Fantasy Points data suite. Shout out Fantasy Points. Scott Barrett. Second second mention for Scott. Friend of the pod? We don't know. Maybe someday. 
Um, <laughs> Maybe. I'm looking at tight end stats, and really what I want to see with tight ends is I want to see them be a top three option in their offense. I want to see the fact that they're on the field running routes, and I want them to be efficient. Like when they get the ball in their hands and they break tackles, gaining yards. They don't have to be like prime George Kittle in that regard, but I want them to be a good offensive player. Like again, we mentioned Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby is catching the ball for a six yard gain and falling down. That's a great player. Like he's going to get fed targets. He may get you your four for 40, but I want somebody that has that upside that is super efficient. So stats that I'm looking at are like routes run per team drop back, team target share, yards per route run, yards per target, yards after contact per reception, right? Efficiency, involvement, stats. I also want my tight end to play in a really good offense. So when we're looking at a tight end who plays in a great offense with a good quarterback, is on the field running a ton of routes, is hyper-efficient, and is a top three option on his team, I circled on Dallas Goddard. And I think Dallas Goddard checks all of those boxes, and for that reason, he is my tight end flag plant for 2023. So among tight ends who had 25 targets... Which is pretty generous. Twenty-five targets is a lot of player. You you welcome in a lot of statistical noise when you do twenty-five targets, right? He was fourth in routes run per team dropback. He was sixth in team target share. He was second in yards per route run. He was first in yards per per target, and he was first in yards after contact per reception. His floor is relatively safe. He had seven top ten finishes in twelve games. And he has yet to have a big touchdown season. This guy only scores like three touchdowns every year. He hasn't walked into like a seven or eight touchdown season. Now, I understand Jalen Hurts dominates that part of the field. And I get that as a rusher, it's a lot easier for Hurts just to run it in and throw it. But again, if Dallas Goddard were to walk into some positive TD regression and score seven or eight touchdowns, he would have a top three season in my opinion. And I don't think his draft position factors in his ceiling Because if something were to happen to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, I think Dallas Goddard as the number two option in this offense would go absolutely nuclear. So all of that makes a really strong case of really strong ceiling and floor. He's, I think, most people's tight end four, tight end five. If you love George Kittle, you're going to really like Dallas Goddard because he's basically a very similar (laughs) player. He's like George Kittle light. He's Kirkland George Kittle, right? What do you guys think about Dallas Goddard? I'm curious. I think it's amazing that he finished as high as he did while also, like, just like on a total points, like he ended up with 141 fantasy points, good for tight end 12 in PPR and tight end 10 in standard. And he missed weeks 11 through 15, you know, like, and that's, that's a with a to the tight end position. He doesn't it's, score it touchdowns. Is. It is. He a, doesn't score yeah, touchdowns. Exactly. But I mean, you're looking at these games, you're like Sean's right on efficiency, three receptions, 60 yards, five receptions, 82 yards, five receptions, 72 yards, eight receptions, 95 yards. Like he had a hundred yard game. Like this is a guy who like gets the ball and like does, you know, does something well with it too. And benefits from a very good quarterback, like a strong a dot, like a strong, like just overall offense too. And if Devonta Smith or AJ Brown, like you said, misses time, holy moly. And I'm in on the Eagles offense to regress positively based off their fourth quarter usage numbers. Yes. Like they never played from behind. They don't pass the ball. We've covered Jalen Hurts passing stats in the fourth quarter alone. They're going to be in more competitive games. And 
to me, that just means better options for Dallas Goddard, more opportunities for AJ Brown, more opportunities for Devonta Smith. They're going to be, they're going to have so much more to work with, like just from fantasy usage, because they didn't get used in the fourth quarter. They didn't need to. Aiden, are you buying Goddard? Yeah, I think he gets kind of lost in the mix when you're talking about like the top tight ends in the game. You want tight ends that are going to be in high scoring offenses that are going to be in the red zone often where he's going to be getting cracks at tutties. So this is a guy that I like a lot. How much I'll be buying, I'm not sure. Again, just given like it's just not a range that I love, but I love Dallas Goddard um, overall as a player. I've got a ton of him in best ball. Yeah, Goddard, Goddard is, I think, a fifth round ADP, fourth, fifth round right now. So yeah. This is a spot where we like to take quarterbacks, but it could be a situation where you take Hurts in the third and you get greedy for a little Goddard stack because that's that's a fun one to put together on a team. That's so a good one. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Goddard, and they use him in the screen game too. So anyone that's getting designed oh, yeah. passes, like where they're the first option, is a talented player, especially in a talented offense. So I'm going with Dallas Goddard there. Transitioning over to our fades, Keegan Tell us somebody you're just really not interested in drafting this year at the tight end position. Unfortunately, this is a guy who actually helped me out a lot last year in a late season trade that helped even out my tight end position. Fuck you. Um, Fuck this you. guy. Uh, I can't yes. believe I lost. Him. Me beat Sean, I lost actually. both of these fuckers in the semis. Oh my God. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a guy who actually also falls under my kind of like safe four bet tight end tier, but it's none other than Pat Fryermuth. Um by this point, I'm sure you guys are very aware that I am starting a do not draft list and it starts with basically all Pittsburgh Steelers players <laughs> at this point. Um I think there's just a lot to dislike about their options, but nothing against Pat Fryermuth, but he's just a guy that I think offers minimal upside for the position. He's not a player who can leap, I think, into tight end one, tight end two, tight end three territory. I think he's probably firmly cemented as a tight end 10 through like tight end seven option. And like Sean said, like the difference between tight end six and tight end 12 is like there is no difference, right? So um, he only had two touchdowns in 2022, which is not enough to like propel me or compel me to draft a tight end like that. Never scored more than 15 points in PPR through 17 weeks. So he's not a spike week guy. Like he's not somebody who's going to win me a matchup. Um, and out of 17 games, he only eclipsed 80% of the team snaps three times. Like somebody like Mark Andrews and George Kittle, like the reason they are so good is because they're on the field for 90 plus percent of a team's snaps and are featured in those offenses. And that's why you like guys like that. Um, he's only 10th in yards per route run. I don't expect that to change much with Kenny Pickett's style of offense. They unfortunately have to run under Matt Canada, 14th in total routes run percentage, 68.2%. And, you know, that's in a year where Pickens is a rookie. Deontay Johnson's on the field a lot. Like Pickens will now get better. There will also be Allen Robinson in the fold. You have Darnell Washington. I'm not sure how much he will run routes for them this year, but you know, there is a, a case to be made that there is less routes available for Pat Firemuth for him to be effective on as well, too. And, you know, 16th and average depth of target at only 8.3 yards. Like, he is a very consistent, boring tight end that doesn't offer me a positional advantage at tight end. He doesn't offer me, like, league-winning upside. He's just boring. I don't think it's anything against him. I think he's actually a very, very good tight end. Um, he's tied to one of the most boring offenses, like a high school offense that Matt Canada unfortunately runs for one of the youngest. So it's like curls, one of the youngest so many groups crawl of routes. offensive talents. So many crawl routes. It's ridiculous. 
Because like you could make a case that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a young and exciting offensive core. They and do. Some you it's know, it's a good I'm core. Not, they do. They have a really good core. But and they just have a terrible coaching plan to go with it. So that's kind of part of what goes into me not wanting any of Pat Fryermuth. You know, it's just it's not a guy that moves it for me. It's like you did you like Dallas Goddard because you could get him in the tenth round, but the only catch is he won't break as many tackles, and the offense is way worse. Like that's that's Fryermuth. And it's yeah. not like his ADP is crazy. I mean, he's being drafted as like the 92nd overall player in sleeper, and he's the tight end nine um, in half PPR. But I just don't want that. Like That pick should be I someone you're wait. trying to win your league with. The ninth round, you should be taking yeah. a massive swing, somebody who could help you win your league. You, Fryermuth is... Yeah, is, that's that's so boring to take in the ninth so round. Boring. It's like you're just going to get five to ten points every week. Like you're not... Like you're not winning a league with that. It's like he's good though. It's just kind of slotted in there. Like he's he a good good. football player he's good for player. sure. It's but just, it's just like it's it's not a needle mover. It's just give me give me Dalton Kincaid at like pick one twenty or one twenty one instead. You know, yeah. give me two or three oh, extra yeah. rounds give of me, players to build out my team for sure. And, and give me Kincaid, Laporta, Michael Mayer. Like I'd rather yeah. just do that. Because and that's kind of that's why his I'm ADP is way too hot. His how, ADP is way too how hot. many points per game difference is there going to be between Fryermuth and Gerald Everett? Like straight up, they offer like they're both like, less. They're less like the than same. one and a half. I'd yeah. be willing. It's to like the say two, maybe same three. player. Like no disrespect. Like they're both talented guys. It, but they're very similar. It's it's just the state of efforts on a better offense too. Yeah, you know that's actually a great comparison. What's like the major difference? But yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's really what I'm, I'm out. At. Aiden and for that reason, sharks. I'm out. Aiden, who are <laughs> exactly who are you fading at the position? So I've got another guy from that tier as well. Um, I, know I, kind of, I teased it earlier because no it's, just, it's just not a tier that I'm very interested in. And for me, it's David and Joku. I feel like people forget like how long David and Joku's been in the league now. And it just feels like we're like still waiting on this pop. He's entering year seven already. This young player, like we've been waiting on David and Joku to break out like no, like he's not breaking out. Like he just is what he is. He finished last year as tight end thirteen, and I think that's about as good as it's going to get. Um, you know, in two thousand eighteen, he was tight end eight. Um, two thousand and eighteen. So like this was a long time ago. It just feels like there's just not a very high ceiling for him. When you look at statistically with Deshaun Watson, it's he's never really produced high scoring tight ends for fantasy football. The most a tight end has ever caught under him was back in his Houston days was just over 400 yards. Um, granted, Jordan Aikens is not the same athlete. He's now as, on the Browns. Aikens is, and he is Browns, an athlete. I know. And Joker is I, I know, I a hell of an athlete, but so was uh, like, so Aikens. Uh, Aikens is fine, Akins. but it's just like it's he's being drafted as tight end 10 right now, and it's just kind of going back to this argument that like we're going to beat into the ground. It's like I'd rather just keep drafting running backs and wide receivers. Like I'd rather wait a couple rounds and take Dulcich or Tyler Higby. It's just like there's no reason to be taking this type of guy when I think last year is probably his ceiling this year, and he's being drafted higher than that this year. It's just I don't know. We all think the Browns' offense is going to be better, which I think it will be, but there's just not a lot of past evidence and kind of things to sway me to believe that he's even going to match his ADP, let alone exceed it. So for that reason, that's a pretty hard do not draft for me. It's just, again, it's not a needle mover. I, I feel like I know generally what the outcome is going to be, and it's just like I'm not winning leagues with David Njoku. 
he can have spike weeks at least. He, the the athleticism is enticing, but you're you're right. He's the third option in an offense that's a complete. Yeah, he's nice. I guess if you want to bet on the Browns' offense, he's a nice <laughs> little throw. I don't know if I'm fading Joku, but I, he's my favorite out of that tier. How about I leave it at that? He's my favorite here's out the, of that tier. Here's the thing. Same, same. Aiden, that's a nice. Yeah, Aiden's fade for um, David and Joku. I mean, he, he averaged eight point one fantasy points a game. Fryermuth averaged seven point three. Yeah, Cole like Komet averaged seven point yeah. two. You know, Jawan Johnson averaged seven point one. Dulcich averaged seven points a game last year oh, on like oh. minimal usage compared to that. Just wait like, a couple rounds. Like there, like there's going to be league winners around like like this part of the draft. Like, don't burn it on a tight end who's going to score you seven points a game. It's just like there's better moves to be made, man. Swing for the fences. Go win your leagues, Sean. Take us home, I'm, Sean. If I'm reading this correct. We're going to cover this entire <laughs> tier of our safe bets. We faded, I know, I was we say, faded this yeah, entire names. tier. That blew my mind when I realized that we had all three guys from the same tier. So um, I am fading Evan Ingram. He's actually somebody that I've taken in best ball occasionally when I'm looking to complete the Jag stack. Best ball is a lot different than redraft. Uh, Evan Ingram had an awesome season in 2023. Right, he was he was fantastic. He got home on some massive performances during the fantasy playoffs. Right, three to four weeks where he had like multiple thirty bombs. He was outscoring Travis Kelsey, which is incredible. First round talent that I think we've all liked, and it was really refreshing to see him get used in a creative way by Doug Peterson. And he just got an extension by the Jaguars, so he's going to be tied to Trevor Lawrence for the foreseeable future. However. He's, what, the third or fourth option on any given week in this offense now, and Calvin Ridley is this new alpha, and we have no idea how the targets targets are going to be distributed amongst the wide receivers. Like, Zay Jones was really freaking good, and we don't know what how many balls he's going to get, how many often he's going to get targeted. <laughs> so how do we know how many targets Evan Ingram is going to get, right? And they also are, are touting that Travis Etienne will be better as a wide receiver. And from what I understand, Tank Bigsby's been excellent as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And that could even take away more targets and more opportunities from really everyone in this offense. So it's kind of the George Kittle conundrum where it's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed, right? And I think obviously he's gonna hit home with some major performances. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he had multiple tight end one finishes just because of how good this offense is gonna be and how much we believe in Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and how talented he is as a player. But good luck guessing when he's going to go off. Um, he, he's going to need to see an injury or a major, major uptick in volume where it's like the Jaguars are passing a lot because their defense is bad for him to hit home. And I, he, what was he tight end three last year? Tight end four on a, on a cumulative basis. I think on PPG basis, he was tight end six. That kind of felt like his ceiling last year. And for sure. I just I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather like take a swing on Kincaid or Dulcich uh than, than take Evan Ingram. Again in best ball, fine target, especially if you're trying to get a stack with the Jaguars. But I'm I'm pretty good getting a naked Evan Ingram in my uh, in my lineup. <laughs> I'm good. Interest interesting stat that I was just again, uh fantasy point status we I, I love this tool. I'm so glad that this is a thing. But Pat in your back. Evan Ingram so thanks, Keegan, no, not for, patting my push, back. for pushing for us, Keegan. You're welcome, Keegan. No, no not patting my back, patting Scott's back. But <laughs> Evan Ingram was second amongst tight ends with designed uh, plays, yes. like for design reads. Um, Kelsey is obviously up there too. Dallas Goddard is third. Kelsey's fourth. But like, 
I don't know. It's not too sticky of a stat, right? But like 15% of his targets like came from designed plays. A lot like, of mesh. They like run mesh concepts. And things like that. They run mesh concepts in crossers where they like get their receivers vertical and they would just run Evan Ingram across the line of scrimmage and he would just pick up 30 yards and just an easy chunk gain. See, he, he's a tight end who's talented and his coach knows how to use him. So that that alone puts him in a good conversation, but there just could be some but weeks where he your, sees two targets. Like it, it, it could be your, rough. To your argument, Sean, like some of the guys that we've talked about and you know we flag planted on their first read. So percentage of teams' first read targets. Mark Andrews leading the way with thirty one percent of his team's first Alpha. lead. That will change because he's got more weapons. Dull. Kyle Pitts twenty eight percent. Kelsey twenty seven percent. Dallas Goddard twenty two percent. Higby actually twenty two percent. Um, but if you go all the way down, you see. No, um, <laughs> no this can't it's not be that good bad. for Evan. This but can't be good. Evan Ingram, eighteen point one percent of his first three targets, and that's without Calvin Ridley. That's just competing against Kirk and Zay Jones. So, add Kirk or you add Ridley to that. Like he's not going to get a ton of those first three targets anymore. Maybe he'll maintain some of those design plays, but yeah, I, I don't see. We might have seen the peak of Evan Ingram's capabilities. For sure. He, he might be on the waiver wire. I think wire. He, like, by week what? six. No. Some weeks. Yeah, I think he no. might be on the waiver wire. Because it could be so slow for him, and then maybe he gets a bad linebacker matchup, and then he has, like, a 30 bomb. Like, yeah. I, I think that sounds crazy, but it, I think it could be that I bad. don't know. Because this is my favorite tight end out of that tier. Oh, okay. I you liked Njoku better. Like, I just like the offense as a whole. I think it's a bigger pie. Um, so for that reason, like, I'm not really going to draft any three of them. I would go Ingram, Njoku, and Muth last. Like, the Steelers' offense might be, like, really bad, um, which doesn't bode well for a guy that's only on the field for about 70% of the snaps to start with. So, like, for that reason, he's gone. But the Jags' offense might, you know, average 25-plus every fast. week. It's going to be a fast-paced offense. So I think that's a good hit. They're gonna have. They're gonna run at a high pace, and they're gonna throw the ball a ton. So, so I, I, it's just and, more overall opportunities. So, I, I think I, this is interesting too. Like I, Ingram does, uh, he did play a little bit below his expected fantasy points just based on usage last year and all statistics. He had an expected fantasy points per game of ten point three. Now he only finished with around eight last year, so there was some still. there was some room there. Yeah, I mean, really, really good, but you know. But that's what we're saying that, that he could be that could have been the peak of his usage. You know, play him in especially DF- if Calvin is Calvin again. Play him in DFS. Draft him in best ball. I just wouldn't be banking on. I just wouldn't want to go into the season as Evan Ingram as somebody that like. I'd rather take the bigger upswing with a guy like Dulcich. Right? It, it just he could be the number two for sure. Offense. Dulcich could be the number one if Judy stinks, right? Which some people think Judy stinks. So it's like I know that's hopium, right? We're yeah. we're just getting high off of it, but. I think like that upside case is just is too tasty to die. So yeah. I, I I think the lesson of like the tight end position that like we're gonna con- continue pounding is like go for upside, take a swing. Yeah. It's like go for a guy where you see carving out, you know, a large role and being like hyper efficient in their surroundings versus the safe guy that's gonna average seven points a week. It's like that's not doing you anything. Like make the play like you want swings you want huge weeks like you want guys that are going to make an impact on your roster and there's guys sprinkled in there it's like there's going to be guys in the double digit tight end range that finish around you know five six it's like that's all about finding them i I had kyle pitts on two teams both of them went to the semis i actually won a ship with kyle pitts as a third round draft pick 
I dropped him and I was just streaming tight ends and it was fine. Like that's just how the position is. Take the swing, yep. go for it. Like it will result in it. higher upside. But that'll do it for 100%. tight ends. That was a quick and tidy episode. Uh, it was it was a funner conversation than I thought. Right? It was a, it was a good one. Before we get out of here, Keegan, what's on your mind? What do you have to tell the audience? Man, I love some good barbecue. I'm ready. I'm ready for a nap. Good for you. That's all I got. Barbecue. You, you earned it. I did. Yeah, it's Friday. Go, go treat yourself. You know, yourself on Fridays. Yeah, treat yourself to a little nap on work afternoons on Fridays. Maybe get a little barbecue. <laughs> the people listening learn, to this learn on how Monday. to love life. <laughs> people listening on this Monday are like, "Fuck this dude. He's talking about his Friday." <laughs> <laughs> this asshole. <laughs> until, uh, until next time, everybody. <laughs>